We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helpin. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Thursday, August 9th episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Um, preseason game one starts tonight for, uh, I think there's 12 out of the 16 games. Uh, today with me, uh, my friend Brandon Marion Lee. You are so busy. As far I, I say to people, <laughs> when people come on, I say, oh, this person is from here. You're from everywhere. Do you want to list everywhere? Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, Yeah. So I am continuing to do my video work over at Fantasy Alarm, which is super fun. Uh, And I am writing this year for CBS Sportsline and for The Athletic. And uh, I'm still doing work with SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio when I can. It's it's a little crazy. I'm not going to lie. It is crazy. See, Athletic, that news came out this week that probably, what, a half dozen of you started with uh, The Athletic launched a fantasy football area and uh, some great content going on there. Yeah, we're really excited because we could just start something completely new. It's mm-hmm. a they haven't done fantasy uh, content and the way that they've been doing it. The athletics really excited too because it's a completely different uh, type of content. They're very focused on the story, so it's fun too because um, 
the athletic they just they're kind of coming back to that nitty-gritty journalism Mm -hmm. fun you know it just it it just feels very yeah like we're part of a team that cares about just content in general and in this world that that's become a bold stance frankly it has unfortunately (laughs) we actually have meaty content people go i don't want to read that um we think and we people like us think people do want to read it but then the people who make the decisions on the finances say oh no people don't want to read that yeah let's do video or let's do uh you know tweets or whatever. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because my first article about um, finding hidden gems at the quarterback position had a ton of comments, ton of people talking about late round quarterback, what that means, et cetera, et cetera. And it was just this very like respectful conversation in the comments where you actually wanted to read the comments section. Fascinating. Never felt like that before. Very weird stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Well, everybody subscribe to the athletic and rebranded stuff. Because it's going right. to be really good. Um, <laughs> all right. So I mentioned that week one of the preseason is, really starts tonight. I mean, we're not going to count the Hall of Fame game right now. Who are you most? Is there anyone you're most curious to see? Because it's easy to, as I've said a couple of times this week, it's easy to dismiss preseason games. But there are things we can find out. Is there anyone you're kind of looking like, I want to see what happens and how that player is used or how he performs or whatever? Yeah, you know, we're going to talk about this later in the show because you and I discussed a, a, a hint that we were going to do this. But I'm always intrigued with watching the rookie running backs in preseason. First of all, um, my my personal strategy is I never draft rookie quarterbacks or tight ends. I'm Got okay it. missing out on the one that might break out out of three years. Mike Kosicki, not on your teams. No, okay. unless um, I, I shouldn't say never, because sometimes I'm on teams with like 28 draft slots. Right. So, of <laughs> course, at some point, everybody has value, but I typically don't draft them there. Uh, I only draft the rookie wide receivers in double digit rounds. Okay. So I don't really have an interest in anyone that's going earlier than that. That's not really happening much this year anyway. Um, so I'm getting like the Anthony Millers and the Michael Gallups and like round 10 and later. Um, but rookie running backs, I usually spend up because a good portion of them are going to hit. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is just it, the way that it is. And two, a couple things happen. Number one, usually they get blown up in pass protection at the beginning of camp. That doesn't really bother me. But I need to see that evolve in preseason. Right. That's my thing. Um, and then they have to earn their job, which I'm fine with. Like, for instance, okay, Devontae Booker starting tonight. Okay, whatever. I'm still on the Royce Freeman train. I got no problems with that. But I want to see him blow up on in a preseason game and feel good about that. Okay. Um, and I, I just feel like... If there is an issue, I need to see that someone else is significantly better than they are. Like, I need to actually see on a football field that Chris Carson is significantly better than Rashad Penny to be out on Rashad Penny. Not a little better, significantly better. So um, those are the things that I'm kind of looking for. So I think that is, in terms of fantasy, my big focus. So rookie running backs, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity to spend up. I've been talking with people for the last month and a half or so about the sort of the the after Saquon tier of rookie running backs between, let's say, rounds three and five with Geis and Penny and, and well, Michelle before he got hurt and Jones and Karrion Johnson and Freeman. And I mean, there's a lot going on there and people are are getting super excited about a lot of them. Yeah. I, and you know what? I think that's great. I was actually saying um, earlier in the preseason that one of my strategies is that if I'm in that kind of six to eight um, draft slot, I'll go wide receiver for sure, in the first mm-hmm. round, so because I'll get like a, a you know Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham, feel good about that. Sometimes I'll even get 
wide receiver coming back if I can get a Michael Thomas or Keenan Allen or what have you. And then I what I do is I, I then focus on like the kind of Alex Smith's Kenyon Drake's that no one wants or Alex Collins and, and Kenyon Drake's that no one wants. And then I'll get a rookie in the fourth or fifth round. And I feel fine about that because I feel like these guys are in such good positions. There are just so many of them that are right. in great positions to have a fantasy impact. And even if it isn't exactly on week one, I genuinely believe that a lot of these guys have the talent and the the situation to excel. Okay. Um, who's your favorite of all the rookie, of all those next tier, the non-Saquon rookie running backs? I think Ronald Jones has the best position. Ooh, okay. I mean, the, the depth chart agrees with you, but we're going to talk about him a little bit more later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, all right, folks, please check us out on Twitter. Um, Brandon, what's your, what's your Twitter handle? I lost it. Oh, it's okay. At Brandon, her FFB. Thank you. Um, all right. Mine is at jhalpin37. Um, you can also tweet us at Rotowire or get player updates at Rotowire NFL. Okay. So today we're going to go, we're going to dig deep today. Um, a, a faithful listener named Josh uh, tweeted me the other day. I, I think he, I mentioned in a podcast earlier this week that because I do four of these a week, you do four of these a week, it's hard to find things to talk about after a while. Yes. You know, you, you wind up and I, I feel like I joke around that I talk about the same guys over and over and over that I talk about. How many times have I talked about Rashad Penny and Chris Carson and all that stuff? And and I actually brought up the fact that I said because I do so many, maybe because we have to draft them, maybe it's worth doing specific episodes on defenses and kickers. Well, um, our friend Josh, he kind of not to, took offense to it, but he was kind of like, well, there's so many other things. And one of them he actually suggested was Digging so deep that looking for players that auto pick won't get. I mean, it's easy to have a conversation about, let's say, deep sleepers or late run targets, but players that maybe auto pick won't get if you unfortunately wind up leaving it that way or if others leave it that way in your draft and you can kind of grab people who might not wind up in that queue and pull them up and queue them and and get them ready. So uh, Josh, thanks. I hope you like this one. Um, So we're going to use, because you do work for CBS Sportsline, cbsports.com, we are going to use their ADPs, which, which which reflect the rankings and therefore probably the auto pick cues that people have. So we're, we're going to do, I'm going to guess, let's say for, for framework 12 team league, we could talk about deeper and let's say after ADP 160 on CBS sports, um, I'm going to ask you and, and definitely if you have input here on specific players that I might be missing, let's talk about them. The first quarterback I see that we could consider after 160 ADP is case Keenum. He's at 167. Uh, on CBS, he's got, I mean, the argument for Case Keenum, really strong year last year, has two pretty solid weapons of wide receiver. They're getting up there, but um, they're still pretty solid. Could you see yourself with Case Keenum as your QB2? Just did it last night, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I got totally made fun of. It was uh, the football guys did, uh, they're doing these mock drafts and they asked me to participate. And James Wood like died. He's like, I can't take this this case can't pick. And it was a super flex, but I was like, of course I'm going to take him at a super flex. This is no problem. And best ball. Great. Uh, you know, case can barely thrown any interceptions. In fact, I think he went a whole week without one at camp. Uh, he has two of the best wide receivers in the National Football League that work in tandem with one another because prior to last season, for three years in a row, they each put up a 1,000 yards apiece every single season. By the way, one of them was when Peyton Manning was a disaster, and the other one was... was. Trevor Simeon. Okay. <laughs> right. So if they could do that with that, 
Uh, that's pretty impressive. And by the way, the two years before that, Demarius Thomas put up a thousand yards as well, with Eric Decker also putting up a thousand yards. He basically just plays well with others. There's no way to get around it. I think this is going to be very interesting. This is the first year that Case Keenum's going in as the true leader of a football team without some heir apparent breathing down his neck or as the backup. So I think this is interesting. He has a new confidence. Uh, they love him in Denver. John Elway loves him. Everybody's all in on the Case Keenum train. They they saw what he did in Minnesota, and they're impressed. People are very impressed. And, and you know what? Adam Thielen was able to catch 91 passes for 1,276 yards. Diggs, 64 for 849 and eight touchdowns. You know, he tied for the fourth best accuracy percentage in the league mm-hmm. last year, only behind Drew Brees, Alex Smith, and Matt Ryan. He's just not going to make mistakes. I think he's going to be solid. No, so you, do you think his, let's say, step forward last year, was it more about him getting better or was it more about, the, let's say, the opportunity and the, and the talented receivers around him? Both. I mean, listen, Case Cam's stats are like all either Houston, which, by the way, no one has looked good in Houston except for Deshaun Watson for five games because he didn't even look at the first two, by the way. So Houston's offense is a nightmare or it's Jeff Fisher. So it's a very difficult thing evaluating Case Keenum's talent level and what he could do in the league prior to last season. So it's just difficult to even put that all on the same plane. Um, But I think that players do develop confidence. They do develop their skills. Uh, That is something that happens to all of us in life. We get better at our jobs the longer we do it. That's part of how it works. So uh, I do believe that we saw both of those things happen. I just think the situation may even be better with the Denver Broncos. Yes, they have offensive line woes. But you know what? Frankly, Case Keenum was one of the best quarterbacks under pressure in the National Football League last year. So of all the people they could have brought into town, that's the one. Okay. The next guy down is Andy Dalton. Um, he's had flashes as a good fantasy player. He had a top five year, what, two years ago, three years ago, whatever it was. Um, he's still got A.J. Green. He hopefully has Tyler Eifert for who knows how many games, but hopefully more than not. Um, John Ross is going to be given his opportunity to earn his, his, his draft slot. Could you see, is Andy Dalton a guy who you, if you're reaching for a, not about reaching, but if you're looking at a QB2, let's say if it's a super flex or if you're in the league that warrants you drafting a backup, is Andy Dalton the type of guy you'd sort of wait on those, you know, 15 through 20 guys and, and maybe slide up Andy Dalton? I'm not sliding Andy Dalton up anywhere. I'm okay with where he's going. And the reason why he's a fantastic pick in super flex leagues is because he doesn't have anyone behind him that's going to take his job. Mm hmm. Um, that is one of my big focuses on my, I do draft three quarterbacks and super flexes every time. Um, and I usually, and I also draft three quarterbacks in, in best ball leagues. And actually statistically speaking, that's what you should do because you want to have the best guy. Um, but I am fine with him where he's going. Just again, he has Matt Barkley back there. They're they're not going to go with Matt Barkley. So he is going to at least be on the field as long as he's healthy all season long. I don't want to take someone who has some heir apparent behind them or who's, you know, in a struggle right now. And I know, frankly, Tyron Taylor is going to have better games than Andy Dalton. But if something happens, they're going to go with Baker Mayfield in the hot second. Right, And I, I just don't want to have to deal with that in a best ball situation or in a two quarterback situation because then I can't bounce back because Baker Mayfield's also going to get drafted. So it's not like I can get him later in those circumstances. So 
that that's why I think that Andy Dalton's one of those like secret weapons, and so are a couple of the other guys on this list. Okay, next guy down is Sam Darnold. Um, a lot of chat. Now, Sam Darnold was one of the last first round picks to come in to get into camp, and that was I think last week. Now already. The, the chatter you're hearing out of Jets training camp is, you know, hey, this guy, we, we think this guy could start on day one. We think we're right, which, I mean, they drafted him third overall. I think in most cases you should try to do that with a player that you draft that high. Um, the argument for Sam Darnold, uh, Josh McCown was a solid fantasy quarter. There was a while where he was a top 10 fantasy quarterback. Um, he, he missed a few games. I think late he missed a few games. I don't have that mm-hmm. game by game in front of me. He's got some decent receiving talent. I mean, you know, you don't think of these guys as big names, but, you know, Robbie Anderson's pretty good. And Quincy Anunua, if he's healthy, you know, flashed a couple of years ago. Terrell Pryor, maybe, you know, hopefully we don't think he's the disaster that he was in Washington last year and the year before he looked like a really good receiver. Is Sam Darnold the type of guy, where are you looking at him in, in super flexes and best balls and things like that? I'm, I'm kind of not. I, I really, uh, Sam Darnold sort of bothered me in college the the turnovers are just in my opinion unacceptable i'm a big turnover snob <laughs> and an accuracy percentage snob so i just have a little bit of a problem there i you know i, I think he's okay i'm okay with targeting him he's obviously a you know high risk high reward pick because you can get him basically before your kicker right so you're saying okay i can wait until then and, and get one of these guys um but you know he he's he's a little less exciting to me just because um, there's just so much unknown. Exactly him coming late to camp. Uh, the idea that Josh McCown is like probably the greatest backup quarterback of all time. Now you say, but he can't. But he's going to be the starter, Brandon. That doesn't make sense. But my point is, even if Sam Darnold is the starter, if he's even slightly bumped or bruised, they're going to be like, you know what, Josh is going to take this week. Yep. Okay. And that bothers me a little bit. That's fair. All right. The last one I want to mention is Ryan Tannehill. Um, your argument for Ryan Tannehill would be, well, we, I think the jury's out on Adam Gase. He was a considered a brilliant young offensive mind a couple of years ago. And since he's gotten to Miami, um, we don't hear that much anymore. Maybe that has to do with the personnel. Things are different when you're a head coach, all that stuff. Tannehill's been, he's kind of been okay at certain points. His career actually looked two years ago. We thought he had a good year and he was on a per game basis. He was 22nd in fantasy points. Um, Decent receivers. I mean, it depends on what we think of uh, Devontae Parker at this point, if he's going to step forward. Kenny Stills is actually probably underrated. He's got Danny Amendola. He's got a rookie tight end in Mike Kosicki. Is is Ryan Tannehill a guy? I mean, I guess if you were drafting a third quarterback in basketball, you could. there's lots of people you could consider. Would you consider him as a second, maybe, kind of? Yeah. Well, again, he's an Andy Dalton type where there's no one behind him. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. I mean, I, I, I will say this. Tannehill and Dalton are perfect examples of guys that, especially if you're in a best ball or if you're in a two quarterback league, there will be games where they will have a lot of fantasy points and they will not lose their jobs. They okay. only are susceptible to injuries to take them out. There is no one behind them that's, that's threatening them. So to me, this is a strategy issue. So for me, I target guys like that in those later rounds because I think, okay, well, I, I, I just need someone there because fighting on the waiver wire in best ball 
well, best of all, you don't even have a waiver wire, but fighting on the waiver wire for a two quarterback league just does not happen at the quarterback position. At least I have never been able to make it work for me. And I would rather use my fab money, my waiver wire clout, whatever I got going on there on running backs and wide receivers. I don't want to use it on a quarterback. I have no interest in doing that. So this is just more about strategy than anything else. And I'll tell you this much. Ryan Tannehill has two more 4,000 plus yard seasons than Derek Carr. Okay. <laughs> because Derek Carr has zero. And by the way, Andy Dalton, too, he also has two more 4,000-plus-yard seasons than Derek Carr. So we we keep pretending that some of these guys are so much better than these other guys. But really, when you look at the numbers – and by the way, Derek Carr has four years of sample size. It's not like he's a new dude on the block. That is who he is. Why is he getting still this, yeah, oh, easy quarterback number two, no I problem? Know. I have no idea. And Derek then these Carter. other guys are just like, you know, we just throw them out like, oh, no, no, no. Listen, I'm not an Adam Gaze girl because I think that he rode the Peyton Manning pony to relevance. And I get it. I would do the same thing if I was in his position. I don't fault him for that. But I do think that it's become very clear that they have a real issue managing talent there. Like what they're doing to Kenyon Drake right now makes no sense whatsoever. Kenyon Drake should be the easiest coaching decision they make in Miami. OK, we're going to give him the ball, period. And yep. stop. That's all they need to do. But they, they're they trying to complicate things because Adam Gase thinks that everything needs to be complicated and it doesn't need to be. And unfortunately, that does affect quarterbacks. But in my opinion, still, Ryan Tannehill doesn't have anyone behind him. He is going to be leading this offense. Finally, they kind of appreciate him after a year of Cutler, I think, over there. So I think he's okay. I don't love him, but at, at the no ADP in CBS, sure, I'll take him. Yeah, and, and going back a little bit, Tannehill was QB 10 in 2014, QB 15 in 2015. Okay, anybody else I'm missing in the quarterback pool? Well, as you know, I target Blake Bortles before my kicker every year, if you've ever listened to any of my work. Um, <laughs> and I will do that again. I I actually have a... <laughs> was making jokes about how you know when I'm in two quarterback leagues I every time I do it I'm like mm, I may just ride with an Alex Smith Blake Bortles Case Keenum sandwich and see what happens just, <laughs> it's fun you know, that way it, listen they're all gonna score fantasy points Blake Bortles was the absolute number one fantasy quarterback in your playoffs last year from weeks 14 through 16 number and one last year okay so he was QB 13 last year he was QB eight the year before, and then before that, what? That's when the year he was third. So yeah, he's been fine. I mean, he's not always pretty, and it's a game management role, sort of, but it works, and the rushing makes it work. The fantasy points are there, and he is so low in ADP every year. Again, if I can get a quarterback like Blake Bortles, the pick before my kicker, it's a value. Yes. I'm not telling you he's going to be the best quarterback in the NFL. I'm not a moron, but <laughs> there, there is something to be said for... A guy who scores fantasy points. Just yep. don't watch the games. Let yeah, it go, exactly. guys. Let don't it go. watch him bounce passes. You get frustrated. I get it. Um, all right, let's go to running back. All right, so we're digging deep again. And so we're going beyond those uh, rookies that we talked about earlier. Not every rookie, because the first guy I'm going to mention is a rookie, but not sort of those you know third through fifth round types. Um, going beyond ADP 160 at CBS. Uh, the first guy I want to mention, oh, change since, so you know what? I put this together last night and the numbers are different. So let, let's use the ones I used last night. They're close. Jordan <laughs> Wilkins with the Colts. Um, mm-hmm. every, everybody's excited about Naheem Hines, but he's a little guy and he's got it. I mean, he's not going to be the type of back that touches the ball 15 times a game. I mean, there aren't a lot of those anymore. I agree. 
Jordan Wilkins. I think Mike Clay was on with me early in the summer, was talking up Jordan Wilkins. Um, he has mm-hmm. the same draft pedigree as Marlon Mack, so there's no real reason to think that Marlon Mack has an edge necessarily over Jordan Wilkins. He seems to be playing well in camp. This is the type of guy who I feel like late, you know, fifth running back, there's there's a lot of upside here. I completely agree with you. Uh, Marlon Mack needs to mentally prepare himself like he's a rookie again because he did not earn any sort of veteran or leadership type of consideration last season and 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 not to fault of any fault of his own necessarily because frank gore was there and he was breaking records and that was the only good thing happening for the colts right so they just kept feeding him the ball i didn't i i I genuinely don't even know if it mattered what marlon mack was going to do because they were like you know what we're just going to get him, you know, we're going to get our man Frank Gore as many points and touchdowns and yards and everything that he possibly can do, uh, and and good for them. And and Frank Gore's a legend, guys. Like I swear, I don't have any children, but if I do in my future, they will someday draft Frank Gore. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I just can't, I can't even comprehend what this guy's career looks like. But it, it's pretty amazing. I think, I think Wilkins uh, has a very solid shot and and I'm gonna be honest with you the Colts are the number one team that I'm watching in the preseason for every single position the only person that I feel confident about on the Indianapolis Colts is T.Y. Hilton yep yeah that's the, the second receiver if Luck's healthy the second receiver is a huge opportunity huge opportunity and and then is Andrew Luck healthy yeah. I need to see him get banged around a little bit. I'm I'm not 100% convinced on that. Uh, the running back situation, exactly what we're discussing right now, I have no idea. I do think that Wilkins is one of those guys that I'm taking a late-run flyer on pretty much as often as I possibly can. And even at the tight end position, I thought Jack Doyle was a, a, a serious lock to be one of the top tight ends for the 2018 season at the end of last year. And, and now we got Eric Ebron there just messing everything up. I literally don't know anything about this team until I see it. And 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 Eric Ebron is only going to run pass routes. He's not going to block at all. No, and so. he, well, let's hope not for Andrew Luck's right. life. Um, yeah. All right, next guy I want to talk about is Gio Bernard. Now, I, I talk over and over about how I think Joe Mixon's being overdrafted. And I do understand that Joe Mixon is a valuable fantasy commodity, and he'll probably get the ball enough to to be a pretty good back, and he's got receiving skills, and you know he's 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 good. Geo, I, I feel like everyone wants to get rid of Geo all the time. And we got hurt a couple of years ago. That was people's cue to be like, all right, Geo's out of here. And now they can draft Joe Mixon. And now we can use Jeremy Hill more and all that stuff. Geo's good. I mean, he's not going to get really good. He's much better yards. than Joe Mixon last season. Right. I like, mean, he can catch close. the ball. I, I just have this hard time believing that even though Joe Mixon is a good receiving back, that because of that, we're going to bury Geo. I just don't see him. Even last year when Mixon sort of, you know, along the way, his role got bigger, Geo still had, what, 840 or so yards from scrimmage. He had 43 catches in a PPR role. He's, he's not bad. He's kind of a sneaky little, you know, and for a bye week, especially in PPR, I'd love to have that guy. I mean, is Joe Mixon a great receiving back? Do he's, we know that? We, don't, we know level? he's kind of good and he has talent catch, but he's not stone hands like... Some other guys who you know, I'm sure I could name a bunch, but he's yeah. All right. But I mean, he had 30 receptions for only 287 yards and zero touchdowns last year. Right. Okay. I mean, it's not like he blew us away with that. He did. So I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure who Joe Mixon is in the NFL because we gotta hope he's not what we saw last season. Because by every single metric that you can measure, Joe Mixon was below average. Yeah. Not even just average. 3.5 below. a carry. 
they hopefully fix the line, but who knows? Well, but I mean, listen, there are bad offensive lines everywhere. Yeah. Let's not act like that just gives him a free pass. This guy was supposed to be so amazing that, you know, with off field issues or whatnot, that everyone was just supposed to ignore it and move on with their lives and, and including the Bengals. And let me tell you, you know, their coach right away, he showed up at camp heavy, you know, yeah. people don't remember that, but the, right away, you know, yeah. uh, Marvin Lewis was like, this is not cool. This is why they made him earn it, all, all this other stuff. And here's the other thing, is that even if they did kind of repair it, Joe Mixon's talent is that of Le'Veon Bell, which is patience. He finds, well, he waits for the hole, and then he hits it. That's what he supposedly does. But the problem is he plays in Cincy. There is no hole. There's no holes, right. Yep. So he gets hit behind the line of scrimmage every other play, and it's disturbing. We just we just lose fantasy points like a thief. Like we just we can't keep them because like, he keeps losing them behind the line of scrimmage. So he also has to fix how he plays based off of his circumstance to be able to be productive. And then people would send me because I was well, her fantasy football in general and my sister, we're we're not doing her fantasy football this year, but um my sister was especially a hater, Ashley, so I have to give her a shout out. <laughs> um but we all were telling people not to draft this guy. Do not draft this guy. The whole time. We were the only people that were like, no, 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 no. And people would then be like, oh, yeah, he's going to totally bounce back. All year, we'd, and they'd send us, like, gifts of him, you know, with, like, linebackers on his, on his back and running. And we're like, yeah, he still lost yardage on that play, people. Like, you know, you're sending me these highlights, and he still is losing yardage on every single one. Or that was a one-yard run. Okay, it looked impressive, but it... The result was one yard, people. <laughs> so that's my fear for him. Uh, now, he has slimmed down. That's great. That is kind of Le'Veon Bell-esque as well between his rookie year and his second year. He could break out. I got no problem with that. But do I like Giovanni Bernard Insurance? Yes, I do. Yeah, I, I think I do too. Um, next guy's Theoretic. Is Theoretic the type, if, if you're drafting, let's say, your fifth running back in a 12-teamer if you're going that deep, is Theo Riddick too limited upside role-centric to take? Would you rather take an upside person like, let's say, Jordan Wilkins, or would you rather take a, I don't know about money in the bank, but a guy who's probably going to catch four passes a game like Theo Riddick? I am probably going to go with a Wilkins today just because I want to see what happens with on Johnson. Okay. Um. I think there's a possibility that Karrion Johnson is a three down back, which would t- make Theo Riddick irrelevant. Yep. And Theo so, Riddick's nice. You know, he plays the slot sometimes. I mean, that's Golden Tate's job too. Um, right. But yeah. He's, I, I like him when they let him, when, they, when he's on the field, his role is really good, but you're saying you don't know how much they're going to let him on the field. Yeah, yeah. And I also think Luke Wilson's going to have more of an impact than we think. Okay. Um, next guy's another lion. So back this relates to what you said about Karrion Johnson. Um, I had someone on my James Coe, form, formerly of NFL Network, was on with me last week. And he actually was was talking up LeGarrette Blunt, saying people are forgetting about him. Um, you are, are you since you like rookie backs and you mentioned Karrion Johnson, that would lead me to assume that you're probably out on a guy like Blunt even this late. Um, I would be closer to the blunt train than the theoretic train, because I still think that blunt could be used as a goal line back. And so for that flyer flex bye week guy, if they're playing a bad defense against the run, I could still see blunt having some value. I, because of all the other weapons in the slot, there are, there's more competition for Riddick to be relevant than for blunt to be relevant. If that 
Yep. If you follow me. I okay. think that's how I feel about that. Next guy, it relates to someone we talked about earlier. We talked about Ronald Jones, um, and you're you're interested in seeing him. Um, there was some news this week that Jones, he's struggling uh, in the past game. Um, that the depth chart, as I noted when you mentioned Ronald Jones, Ronald Jones earlier, it's friendly. There's there's not a lot of big name competition, but if Ronald Jones falters, and let's say he can't block, for instance, Peyton Barber is kind of a sneaky, interesting pick for me. What about you? Yeah, I think he could be. Um, I would be very surprised, though, if Ronald Jones didn't take over pretty quickly. Because, listen, up until this, um, okay, he's having a tough time in pass blocking, I, they were also saying that he was going to get 15 to 20 touches a game. Right. And I think that's what's going to happen. I, I think um, unless he can't get it together at all, and I'm talking like Derrick Henry style, uh, of his rookie season, I still think it's going to be him. And here's the problem: is that it's not like Peyton Barber is like a a Demarco Murray. You know right. what I'm saying? I mean, Demarco Murray, Murray was like all pro, also one of the best pass blockers in the NFL, and according to grades from every website on the planet. So it was like he he was competing with someone who was fantastic. Right. Peyton Barber is fine. So it's not like overcoming him is going to be as much of an obstacle as it was for Derrick Henry. So um, I still think that that it's ultimately going to be Ronald Jones. Um, Ronald Jones' tape is is really good. He he wasn't great at you know picking up pass blocking there either. But I don't think that's how they're going to use him. I think that the, he's just going to be you know run run run. And yeah, will he lose some snaps? Sure. But you know he's so dynamic once he gets the ball in his hands that I'm not I'm not that worried about it. Um, but I think Peyton Barber could have a role. Yeah, you know, I don't. You know, I think that that's possible. Okay, um, the last one. Um, he mentioned Kenyon Drake earlier, and, and uh, Adam Gase and all that. Well, the last two down low are um, Frank Gore and Kalen Balaj. So Balaj has gotten. There's been. So I feel like I've seen some chatter about him that he might be a good receiver, and he kind of, you know, the tape looks good. Frank Gore is a million years old, but still halfway decent. Do Do you think Drake is going to just kind of? leave these guys in the dust or are one of these guys worth stashing if you're in a, have a, a, a team that's got room for stash? I'm okay with stashing them just because I don't trust Adam Gase. I, do I ultimately think that starting Kenyon Drake is the easiest decision that they could make as a coach coaching staff there? Yeah, I do. But they want to make everything complicated. And I actually tweeted out last year, like during football season, I said, I can't wait to see how the Dolphins screw up Kenyon Drake next year. <laughs> When he was like balling, and I, I actually retweeted myself the other day because I, I I don't remember I like searched for Kenny Drake and my tweet popped up and I started laughing. I was like, oh my gosh, wow, was I right on that? So um yeah, so I, I to me they're so late that yeah they're good for a stash because I Adam Gase just refuses to let um the simple and elegant aspects of the game be prevalent in his offense. It's pretty fantastic how he does that. All right. Um, of all these players we just mentioned, who, if you were going, let's say for an RB five, who would it be? I think Giovanni Bernard. Okay. Is there anyone I forgot? Oh man. Um, you can say no. It's know, okay. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think too much. I mean, these are these are good ones. Again, I, I'm really excited for preseason because this is where I kind of start picking out those. 
those little guys, those little gems that might be behind there. And I also think that handcuffing is more about like the system. And I think that handcuffing is more like, well, if something were to happen, I think this guy could really, you know, break out. So uh, I'm excited for that. That's when we get the everyone else. All right. Um, folks, Auto New Fantasy Football is the next level fantasy football challenge you've been looking for. Experience a year-round dynasty competition with deep rosters, accumulate college player prospects to lead your team in the future, or to move for a superstar at the trade deadline. Auto New Fantasy Football never sleeps with year-round trades and off-season arbitration. Learn more about why everyone who plays Auto New becomes addicted at autonewfootball.com. That's O-T-T-O-N-E-U. That's Auto New, better fantasy football. I had my auction on Tuesday night. Um, I came out with Anthony Miller, so I was happy. But it was one of those <laughs> auctions that... You know, when you're in an auction and you say, I'm not going to spend on this guy because there's bargains to come later. And then you look and you go, oh, wow, I have a lot of money left. That's what I did. It was one of those. Good for you. Sometimes I you love just get that. that. And I know, but then I wound up with money in my hand. In this league, he's for fab. It's a whole complicated thing. But yeah, I wasn't thrilled because someone like, wow, I should have paid for Jordan Howard. Stuff like that. So, all right. But I, I, I promise oh, everyone I tweet out my but, roster. Yeah. But Jordan Howard can't catch the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Get it. <laughs> You're on the Jordan Howard train. I like it. I am too. Of course I am. It's a great train to be on. All right, wide receivers. I don't like... So the, the wide receivers beyond 160 and ADP um, that would presumably be below auto pick in CBS, I, I got to say I don't like them. There's a big batch of names that I have here that I sent to you beforehand, and I'm not thrilled with most of them. That I don't know. All of them, I go, hey, I might take one or two of these guys, but eh. Tyrell Williams is first. So... Argument there is that Hunter Henry's gone, so there will be, you know, how, how many rece- how many people can catch the ball there? Well, one is certainly Keenan Allen. Mike Williams looks like it, I mean, they hope he's going to emerge. Tyrell Williams, he's he's been hit and miss. You know, before last year, I think people liked him a lot more. Are you a fan at all? Could you see putting him on your on your bench? Mm, mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's so hard to get excited, right? I mean, uh, however. This is what I will say for Tyrell Williams. Two years ago, he did put up over 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. And that's pretty impressive. So I was, you know, hoping that he could kind of, you know, build up. He did have 728 yards and four touchdowns last year. Not great, but, you know, that means there were a couple decent games out there. To me, he's just so speculative. And Keenan Allen just really takes the the wind out of everyone's sails, as far as I'm concerned, because he just has such a huge percentage of that target share. Huge. Uh, and I still think they're going to bring in Antonio Gates. So do you? We'll okay. Yes. Yeah, don't you? I, I don't know. I mean, how? As much as he knows the system, and and Rivers likes him, and I mean, he isn't. He's so old. But when has Rivers not thrown to the tight end? And Virgil Green is not an option. I know. I, I think yeah, it's a good point. I and I don't know that there's a better option out there. So, I don't know if there is either. Yeah. All right, next one up is Paul Richardson. Um, they signed the Redskins signed him for pretty good money. He's my favorite on this list. I'm really? drafting him everywhere. I have him literally every single place that I could. So, in what kind of because he strikes me as a as the as the, the the boomer bust type because he's a speed threat and a deep ball guy, and you know the maybe the underneath stuff will go to Crowder and Reed for whenever he's healthy or Vernon Davis and um and I don't know about Doxson, but but Richardson's the guy who who stretches the field. So I, I tend not to draft guys like him, but, but you like him. So I, I love know. him. Okay. I love him. I, I'll, I'll say this. Alex Smith was the absolute most accurate passer at passes that went for 20 or more yards down the field last year. The, um, 
Dink and Dunk Alex Smith is still alive and well. I don't want to act like I'm a, you know, <laughs> I'm throwing out the baby with the bathwater on last season, but here, but I'm just saying that he can throw the ball down the field. He has that confidence now, especially that he can do that. He is new to this team as a quarterback, so he doesn't have a relationship with any of these wide receivers. Paul Richardson had a great season last year with Seattle when you consider what was going on there. And he's part of the reason why uh, Russell Wilson had one of his most successful, uh, his absolute most successful season passing the ball. He actually led the NFL in passing touchdowns. A big part of the touchdowns was Jimmy Graham. But the point is, is that Paul Richardson can take the lid off and and that's what they need there. I don't think that guy is Josh Doxson. That's just not what Josh no. Doxson does. Uh, we obviously know what James missing Crowder does and it's in the slot and he's working this that's going to be the dink and dunk and trust me you still want to have him but I believe that Paul Richardson is going to have a lot of really big games I I love him there I think that he they paid him money they brought him in for a specific reason they have plans I have no problem I take Paul Richardson everywhere because he's just going so so late yes he is it's uh, this ADP 194 is that ADP so if you want him you got him um all right so so last year Paul Richardson, 44 for 703 and 6. You think better? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, the next one up. Can't, actually, let's let's jump to over one guy. Go to Tyler Lockett because you mentioned Russell Wilson having a better year. Um, Paul Richardson's gone from Seattle. Tyler Lockett, last year, the year before, people kind of saw, maybe it was the year before, people saw a sort of a, a, a breakout potential guy and it didn't happen. Is it still in him to do that? Well, they thought that last year too, and then Paul Richardson every single week was rated below, was ranked below Tyler Lockett. And other than two, I think it was only two games all year. Paul Richardson scored more fantasy points than Tyler Lockett. Right. I mean, I mean had, it's unbelievable until Paul Richardson got year. hurt. I should say until Paul Richardson got hurt at the end of the right. season last year. But um, yeah, for the first half of the season, it was all Paul Richardson all the time. I, my thing is. I don't know what Tyler Lockett's role is other than, oh, no, we have to throw it somewhere. <laughs> what, like, what is his best distance? Who is this guy? I don't know. Supposedly, he, he's a separation guy, right? That he he, he he gets space between him and the, and the defensive backs with those metrics. So that, that's so, the argument for him from a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think his real problem is, you know, Doug Baldwin's one of the best wide receivers in the National Football League in terms of route running, accuracy, uh, any metric, really. Uh, metric people love Doug Baldwin. Yep. Russell Wilson loves Doug Baldwin. Now, Doug Baldwin is sidelined right now uh, with a knee injury. Suppose he's going to be ready for week one, but that could help Tyler Lockett. I feel like Tyler Lockett's um, a bit of a dart throw on an offense that I don't really think highly of. Uh, I think they're going to have to go back to running the ball more. So I, I, I'm a little worried. Right. A little worried. Okay. Um. Next one's Cam Meredith. He seen, he's, he's got some, uh, some knee issues that they're just kind of taking it slow with him. Um, he missed all of last season with an injury. It kind of looked like, look, the number two receiver on the Saints, A, it's not what it used to be because they run more. And B, even when they threw all the time, you kind of never knew who the number two receiver on the Saints was going to be. It was, I, I always go back, you know, in earlier in Drew Brees' time there, it was 
hey, he was going to throw for a ton of yards, but outside of Marcus Colston and Jimmy Graham, well, you know, maybe it's going to be Robert Meacham and maybe it's going to be Devery Henderson. And I felt like I never knew who it was going to be. And maybe that's an old way of thinking because the offense is different. But I look at Cam Meredith. I think some people are excited about him and I'm kind of going, eh, nah. Well, Ted Ginn had a great season last year. Yeah. So, you know, they did have a wide receiver too last year at least. Um, will Ted Ginn be the guy again, you know, um, I don't I don't know how the guy is still this fast, but Ted Ginn is really fast. So fast. Unbelievable still. He's like 50 years old and he's just like <laughs> boom, down the field. I love Cam Meredith, the talent. And I think that you're right. I don't know if he's going to have a ton of big fantasy impact games because Michael Thomas is on the field, but I think that he has that potential. And um it's hard for me because on one hand, when it comes to like player evaluation, I love everything about this guy. You know, on the other hand, when it comes to role and opportunity, I'm worried. Um, I'm okay with him this late. I mean, it's so late. It, it, he's more of a best ball guy for me. Cause do I think he's going to have games where he's going to be huge? Great. Yes. But I don't know if I want to make the decisions of when those games are going to be to start him. And that's why you have to really change your mentality when you're thinking about best ball versus season long versus DFS. Like to me, he's going to be a cheap DFS play that I'm going to have somewhere almost every week because if he hits it, he's going to hit it hard. Okay. That's that's the player he is to me. I don't know if season long I'm as into it. And I agree with you on that. All right. The, the, I'm going to go with the other three guys in a group. After 200 here, the guys I wanted to point out, and you can – Add names if you'd like. Quincy Inunua at 208. Mike Wallace at 210. That's the one that stands out to me. And the other one, Danny Amendola at 213. A lot of people seem to think that Amendola is going to be a high-volume uh, guy in the slot for Ryan Tannehill. Uh, do any of those names stick out to you, or are you kind of out on all of them? I think my quick hits is I think Quincy Inunua could be a bounce-back player of the year kind of guy. I think that there's a big possibility. People don't remember how good he was. Yep, I agree. Uh, so I like him, actually. Um, and Robbie Anderson just keeps having issues. You know, I'd love for him to be to, to not have to say that, but it's true. Uh, Mike Wallace, I agree with you. I think at 210 is like a huge value. Um, I do have Mike Wallace a lot of places because you can get him late. Danny Amendola, I do like there. I'm also taking Albert Wilson there, too. Someone in the slot's going to get work. Okay, yep. it is Ryan Tannehill. It is Adam Gase. It's going to happen, and they decided to get rid of their best player. Whatever. I'm also going to add Jeremy Curley to the list. Okay. Oh, okay. That's a good one. That's that's yeah. that's a name we don't hear a lot anymore. No, and he is like the only wide receiver in Buffalo who's basically etched in stone in the slot and is the veteran there, and he's going to get a lot more usage than you think. Okay. Um, one other name I want to throw in there. Actually, it's not necessarily one name. We talked earlier about the Colts. And I know mm. you said you want to see them this weekend. Yep. Um, if you had to pick a number two receiver there at this point in the draft season, who would it be? Oh, holy moly. Why are you doing this to I, me? I like, Deon, I like Deion Kane. Mike Clay talked me into Deion Kane. I like Deion Kane for the upside. I think it's. I think Ryan Grant is going to be that boring guy who just sits like you know, solid. Right. Three catches a game. Boring. Okay. <laughs> so that's so it's kind of like what do you, what do you want? Like yeah, but I think Deion Kane is the most upside. Like if I was drafting today and I thought oh there's a chance of someone else being relevant, I'd go Deion Kane. I bet you at the end of all this though, it's Ryan Grant ends up being boring and just like in the mix. All right. Let's get to tight ends um before we wrap. So, this is a tough one because you're not usually digging this deep for a second tight end. 
because most leagues you're not, you know, it depends on your format, but most of you are going, why do I want a second tight end? Right? I mean, do, do you draft second tight end? Other, other than that, you know, super deep leagues or, or ones that award extra, you know, first down points like Scott Fishbowl or whatever, do you, do you draft second tight ends generally? I do, but I'm a big balance person and I like drafting second tight ends that I think could break out. Okay. So the first one down here, we talked about him already, Eric Ebron. Is there, because of the uncertainty at the, at the wide receiver position beyond T.Y. Hilton, you know, you've got Jack Doyle, but he'll probably block some. Jack Doyle's pretty decent. Can Eric Ebron catch enough balls to be fantasy relevant? I just, I'm so confused because, I mean, whenever we talk about Eric Ebron, we say he can't catch, and then we also say he can't block. So I'm not quite sure what to say about him. <laughs> we, we think he could catch maybe someday. We know he can't ever block, but someday maybe he could learn how to catch. I guess so, but what is going on? I yeah, I, I'm I'm not very interested in Eric Ebron because I know he'll have some big games, um, but I will never know when that's going to be. Okay, that's my problem with Eric Ebron. That's a fair problem. Um, next one in Jacksonville. So I love this one. Yeah, Austin Safarian Jenkins. We kept waiting for him to break first with the Bucks, then with the Jets. Um, last year he actually was not bad. I mean, he caught 50 he was passes. really good. Yeah. I mean, you know, everything was a dink and dunk. He literally 7.1 yards for catch last year. That's that terrible. is fine. That's fine. He's a tight end. And you don't know what the real problem was is that he had the worst luck in the National Football League. And people don't remember this. I think he had something like four different touchdowns get overturned off of some sort of bizarreness. Oh, I think I remember a couple of them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, unbelievable. Where you were like, there's no way. They're not going to take it from him again. Oh, I mean, it was unbelievable what happened there. Because he had the three games in a row. And then there was like four games in a row where he had one overturned. And everyone kept waiting for it to happen again. And then it didn't. But the point is, is that it was there. He was in the end zone. It was nuts. So I think that he is a very interesting prospect here. I think that there is a very solid possibility that Blake Bortles depends on him. And, you know, they keep saying he's going to be an integral part of this offense. I don't think that's coach speak. I think that this short pass red zone target thing is really going to work for him and Bortles. I, I, of everyone on this list, I think, I think he's the one that I, I'm most interested in. Okay. And, I, and you're going to get right now. He is 177 ADP at CBS. So. Yeah. Um, Charles Clay. And I don't even want to, I don't, you know, honestly, I'm looking, I don't know why I put him on the list. He's so boring. Well, because he always gets, um, well, he got a lot of action when it was Tyrod Taylor. We don't know what's going on there now. And if it's going to be Josh Allen, the problem is that Allen is horrible at the short passes. He's way better at the, the deep passes. So actually Corey Coleman's the guy you want now. Yeah. I, I like, I actually, I'm a fan of Corey Coleman. I, 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 I think I, the Browns, I, I think looking at the Browns, Look, I'm not going all in on the, you know, Sashi Brown era. I think they did I think they did what they told the owner they were gonna do and, and weren't allowed to finish the job. And I don't know how they would have finished the job. But I, I feel like the way they're operating now, I'm going, I don't know how you can screw up the the what the the base that you had there, but I think they're trying like they just gave Corey Coleman away. Really I, I, I don't bizarre. understand that. I, I I maybe they don't like him, maybe they thought he was too injury prone. Okay. Seventh round, really? Was that the market? I mean, maybe, but I have a hard time believing that. I tweeted out months ago uh, that the Cowboys should trade for him. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, what, obviously, the Browns are not into him. That's fine. And, and I think sometimes it's that players like Corey Coleman, who had a kind of a bad luck start, it's not that he is – well, we don't know what he is. I, I guess I'm going to say the jury's out because – 
those two freak hand injuries derailed his first few years in the league. So uh, we don't know. But sometimes when it's, when you're unlucky, sometimes you just need a change of scenery yep. just to kind of get your head straight, you know, and put it back together. And I hope that that happens for him in Buffalo. Um, but I thought I thought the Cowboys should do it because I was like, gosh, you know, obviously the Browns are not into them, into him. He needs a change of scenery. Let's do it. Um, so if it's the Bills, that's fine. But again, his skill set probably works pretty well with Josh Allen. So this may also mean that Josh Allen is the week one starter, which also would not surprise me. So it works well with Josh Allen, meaning he's going to be able to, you know, catch balls that are three yards or five yards away from where he's supposed to throw it or... Um, yeah, and he can at least make it down the field to have some chance. Okay, that's fair. At wrapping it. Yeah. All right, the, the other guys I have on the list here, uh, Cameron Bray. Cameron Bray finished at tight end eight last year. And then he was even higher than that the year before, right? Um, let's see. Because he had, scored, he had 660 yards and eight touchdowns in 2016. I think six. we all yep. sleep on it. Yeah, we all sleep on Cameron Bray because O.J. Howard's there, and that's fine. But I think that they're going to do a lot of two tight end sets. But but the 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 curse that I, I've talked about this with people before the the curse that OJ Howard has is that he's a good blocker. Yeah, and Braid isn't right. So, so Braid is going to continue catching the passes. And by the way, they signed him to a six year, forty one million dollar contract. Okay, Braid's not going away. Right. Um, the other guys have Ben Watson, Vance McDonald. Uh, do you have anyone else down there? I mean, Vance McDonald, I could see the, I see the potential there. I don't know that I want to totally buy it, though. Like, I don't know if I can see myself even in a two tight end picking him. And any anybody digging deep? Those two? Anybody else? Well, I will say that Ben Watson is one of the most accurate pass catchers in the National Football League, and he's paired back up with Drew Brees. I don't think he's like an every week starter, but if you are someone that's waiting on tight end, or it's like a. a Best ball where you know, tight ends get point and a half or what have you. I think he'll have some big games. I still believe in Gerald Everett. I think that they're going to try to get him in. He's the number. One, he was the first draft pick that Sean McVay made. He was very dedicated to him. I know Tyler Higby's also is killing it at camp. One of those guys is going to break through. I am interested in them. Um, and then, as I said, I think I think Luke Wilson's going to be a little more involved in the offense than people think. Um, so I like him. And, uh, and and you can get him for free. And I still believe in Ricky Seals Jones. And I find his arrest the most bizarre thing I had re- ever read. Okay, what's that story again? I was reading about it the other day and I forgot it. Yeah, he was trying to use the restroom at like a, I think it was a hotel restaurant. It was a restaurant of some sort. And they said, no, it's only for patrons. And then he tried to like sneak in because he had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and they tackled him and arrested him. Wow. Just, but like, come on, this is, if he gets suspended for that, that is just out of control. That right. I'm sorry. Listen, I, I'm not going to lie. There are times where I've been like, oh, here I am eating. No, not really. I'm in the bathroom. It happens. <laughs> I live in New York. So That's I guess right. to me, it seemed like the worst. It was the most non-story I'd ever heard. It's not like he has some major problem where we need to be concerned. It was nothing like that. He just needed to go to the bathroom. Whatever. All right. Yeah, that was an interesting story. So, all right, who, of okay. all these tight ends, the ones you mentioned, you mentioned Seals Jones, you mentioned you like Luce Will. You like a lot of these guys. Everett, Austin Sferry Jenkins. Is Austin Sferry and Jenkins still your favorite? Yeah. Okay. So so my takeaway here is you and the Jaguars. You, Bla- you Blake Bortles, and Austin Sferry Jenkins are the people you like the most that we talked and about. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say these things, but the, I, in terms of fantasy points, though, it just keeps happening. Yeah, I, I listen, look at uh, um, uh, Mercedes Lewis. 
would right. have those like random big games. I think that's what ASJ is going to do. So uh, do I think he's going to be the next Travis Kelsey? No, I'm not a moron. But again, if we're looking at this ADP, I'm looking for people with upside, touchdown upside, specifically the tight end position. And I know everyone says, oh, tight ends are fluky and you can't really protect them. Yes, you can. Actually, you can. And especially the tight end position. Where are the red zone targets? Where are they looking? That's the guy that I want when they're in a great matchup. If you would have just played the tight end facing the New York Giants last year, yeah. you would have had the number four tight end on this season yep so you can play these guys uh, i agree they're the matchups really that that helps a lot with the tight ends okay um folks listeners to this podcast and get a free 10-day rotowire trial rotowire.com slash pod no credit card needed for that so you can check out nearly all the features on our site check it out now rotowire.com slash pod so we talked in the beginning you're on twitter at brandon her ffb you were very busy what's what does the near future hold for you Okay, well, I'm doing these surprising stat articles for FantasyAlarm.com where I'm going through basically every relevant fantasy player for every team and talking about a surprising stat. Like, for instance, did you know that Cam Meredith was prank called on draft day by someone pretending to be Bill Belichick saying that he was getting drafted and he ended up being an undrafted free agent? That's brutal. Terrible. So anyway, some of them are kind of fun like that. Other ones are about like the stats that I've been dropping this whole podcast. But um, And then uh, The Athletic, I have a deep running backs article coming out today and uh tomorrow i'm gonna do some favorite flyers a lot of the players that we talked about today is going to be in that for cbs sports line and uh we have a live feed tonight before um uh, between 7 and 8 p.m uh for fantasy alarm as well it's on periscope facebook live youtube the site all at the same time every single week from seven to eight eight on thursdays so yeah thanks for letting me uh plug that sounds great brandon thank you so much for doing this um i hope we talk to you during the season uh again brandon stuff fantasy alarm cbs sports line sirius xm fantasy sports radio and the athletic check it all out um folks please leave a review and a rating if you like this podcast we'd appreciate it and thank you for listening to this edition of the road wire fantasy football podcast we'll be back on friday with another episode so come on back we'll review uh the thursday night games there are 12 of them for brandon mary and lee i'm john halpin see you next time Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.